Good morning, everyone, and uh, welcome to Haven Community Church. It's good to be with you. Uh, before we get rolling, you know, uh, I think I just I want to pause for a moment to pray for those who have been impacted by Ian. Uh, you need to know that Mike, we were going to be praying over him today because he's planning a mission trip to Cuba. Uh, but because of the flooding there, uh, that was canceled, and uh, we'll, we'll let you know when that happens again. And of course, you know, uh, Florida has been devastated. Uh, last I heard, there were like six to seven deaths due to flooding, and so I, I just want to take a moment to pray for all those impacted. So, Lord Jesus, um, you know, on this beautiful fall day when we see the clear blue skies and the uh, just the crisp temperatures, it's hard for us to recognize all that people are dealing with. And I pray, God, even as we're journeying inward and understanding our own emotions, that we would learn compassion, Lord, and, Lord, that we would feel those the pain of those who are experiencing pain. And even now, God, we pray for your church in uh, the various parts of the Caribbean, in Florida, uh, to just surround those who have been hurt, Lord God, and uh, to be... Uh, a voice of blessing to, to each of them, a voice of hope, and um, bring healing, we do pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's always difficult for me to know how to pray for those types of situations, you know, because, uh, you know, it's sometimes you feel so helpless, but it's good to know there's a God in heaven who cares about people and is working and will use all things for good. Uh, I was in Florida, not Florida, <laughs> I was in Atlanta this past week with my daughters, my, Jasmine, if you're watching, Jasmine just turned 30, that's hard for me to believe, you know, uh, how time flies, it seems like just a blink ago I was turning 30, you know, and, and we had a nice little celebration with her, and uh, of course I always get to see my Ava. And, uh, you know, this is a grandpa thing, but every time I go down, they put me to work. So I was, yeah, I was working on, what's it called? Uh, uh, Wayne, Wayne, come on, Lisa, what's it called? Wayne's Court. Wayne's Court. See, I don't know the name of these things. I just do what they tell me to do. It actually came out pretty good, if I do say so myself. But I, did, I wouldn't know what it's called. I just... Just tell me what to do, I'll do it. And so I finished up her bathroom there and got that done. That was a, a nice little project. But of course, it made me tired and, you know, the, the, the drive is no fun. But uh, the time with them was, was exceptional. It was exceptional. You know, I have really been going through a lot of emotional ups and downs. I mentioned this last week, uh, week three of our emotionally healthy spirituality series, uh, just the fact that, you know, when you start to dig into any area of life, you, you get a mindset and you start to notice things. And I've been through this course several times, but each time it, it brings to my awareness, Lord, you're not done with me. Uh, and that's a good thing. That's a good thing. You know, we, we talked about the importance of understanding the impact of emotionally unhealthy spirituality. That's where we started. That, that, that if we, we're not aware of that, we can't progress. And I would put it to each one of us. If our emotional life is unhealthy, it really puts a serious hindrance on us becoming the fully devoted followers of Jesus that he wants us to be to be really true disciples, that, that will hinder us. But then we talked about the importance of going back in order to go forward. 
And not to dwell in the past. That's not healthy in and of itself. But to recognize how the past has shaped us and impacted us. And through that, we can allow the Lord to bring healing so that we can press forward. And last week, we talked about... Uh, sorry, it was two weeks ago we talked about knowing ourselves that we know, know God and then going back to go forward. And today we're going to talk about what it means to journey through the wall. I'll explain the wall in just a moment. Uh, but I've got to say that this chapter, I, I don't know if you guys have been reading the book as well, but this chapter has had really a profound impact on me. And I, I pray this morning that no matter where you are on your spiritual journey, that these words would bring you hope and encouragement for you to press forward, to know that there's a God in heaven who is on your side, who will take even the, the most difficult of life circumstances and use it for your good. That's the God we serve. He's a good God, amen? And he's on your side. You might have been coming here this morning having had a very difficult week. I've had a fun week. I'm tired. But that might not be your story. But I want you to know there's a God in heaven right now who wants to lift your head, to see him, to know he's working on your behalf. We're going to be speaking this morning from Genesis 22, a passage where we see Abraham taking his long-awaited son Isaac and being told that he's supposed to sacrifice his son to God and God tests his heart through this. And we're going to see, see in this story, some, I think, some principles that we can take and, and apply to pressing through what we will call the wall. Uh, if you are able, uh, please stand for the reading of God's Word. I'm going to be reading various verses out of chapter 2. I'm not going to read the entire, uh, it's it, it, it in its entirety, but I'll be reading certain verses through Genesis chapter 22, beginning at verse 1. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and wood are here, Isaac said. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham burnt an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took his, the knife to slay his son. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. This is God speaking now. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Verse 16, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand in the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. And through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. The word of the Lord. God, we thank you so very much for your word. I pray today, Father, as... Your servant brings your word. I pray that this word would encourage your people, Lord. Uh, 
for whatever challenges or difficulties or seasons we are facing right now, God, you would empower us by your Spirit to press through, to know that you're with us and for us, and you'll give us everything that we need to be victorious in Christ. Speak. We pray, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. I've been walking with the Lord now for 33 years. No, 35 years. Oh, my goodness. How time flies. This is one of the things that happens as the, the older you get. You, you lose track of time, you know. And, uh, <laughs> but in those years, I'm telling you, God has been so, so good to me. And I have faced some very difficult things in life, as I'm sure most of us have, especially if you've got some years behind you. You who are younger might have said, okay, it's been, life has been good. But you just get some years behind you. You know that life can bring some significant challenges to us. Uh, again, I want to recommend that if you've not done so, that you purchase the book Emotionally Healthy Spirituality and you begin to read through it. Even if, if you, we're now in week four of the series, it doesn't matter. It's, it's a book that I would highly recommend to each one of us. But in his book... Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Pete Scazzaro references another book called The Critical Journey by Janet Hagberg and Robert Gulick. And they identify six stages of spiritual growth. Now, as I describe this, many of you are going to say, I get it. I, I see where this is going. I understand it. I have been there, done that. But it begins with that entering into relationship with God. Just that first stage of saying, you know, I'm now aware of God's presence. And I believe that Jesus Christ died for sins. I, I believe that and I know in my spirit, I can't work enough to get to a perfect God. I'm a sinner. But God's grace is so wonderful that he sent his beloved son, the Lord Jesus he died for my sins. He was raised from the dead. And he has provided new life. That's the starting point. I pray that there's not a person here today who will leave without understanding it. Even if you came in this morning kind of questioning, wondering what it's all about, I pray that you'd hear that message and that each of us can say, I know what it is to be in relationship with Jesus. It's a, a sense of powerlessness. It's a sense of, I can't do this, so God, thank you that you did it for me. It's the recognizing of our need for God. And then as we begin to grow, and we begin to learn more about Jesus, we call that process discipleship. It's a never-ending process, but we enter into the moment we say yes to Jesus, we begin to learn, how do I live this out? What does it mean to uh, be with God's people? Well, how do I read God's word? How do I pray? Those, those essential habits. We'll talk about some of those essentials as we go through growth track. And if, if you're looking for a church home and you've not connected with us there yet, we invite you to be a part of that growth track. Mark that on your communication card. We'll teach you those essentials. That is what we call, again, discipleship. Again, a never-ending process. It doesn't stop. We're always learning more about who Jesus is and how to walk with him. It's this power now by association. I'm with others. I'm learning with others. I'm in community. I move from powerlessness to now power by association. And then there is 
the active life. There's the doing. This is, okay, I, I don't want to just hear about the word. I want to be a doer of the word. I want to be that type of person who's willing to serve my neighbor, who's willing to teach kids in the back, who's willing to feed the homeless. Who's, I want to make sure that my, my faith is an active faith. And that's power by achievement. There are things that I'm doing. It's, it's the productive life. And then comes that inevitable part of every Christian's life, the wall. Now, what, what is the wall? What are we talking about here? We're talking about those very significant life events that get us stuck. God, it's not supposed to be like this. You, you know, I, I thought if I came to know Jesus, my life would just be filled with joy an ending, and, and I'll always be moving forward, and you know, no Jesus, no joy, you know? And then no Jesus, if you don't have Jesus, then no joy. That's what I thought was all about. It's the wall. It's those life events that you never thought could happen to me if I followed Jesus. There's been so much heretical teaching within the body of Christ, what we call the prosperity gospel. If you're walking with Jesus, you're never going to have pain. You're never going to have trouble. You'll always have money. And then your life says, I've tried to walk with you, Jesus, but I'm not seeing this. It's the wall. And what they point out in their study is that for most Christians, for most Christians, when you hit that wall, you go on pause. And so you have people who have been walking with Jesus for 30, 40 years. They're still active. They're still learning Bible and all that. But they hit a wall and they never pressed through the wall. They never got past it. The wall was too high, too thick, too wide. And they said, uh -uh, I can't go any further. For some people... And we've seen this, uh, I think COVID was a big wall for a lot of people. Some people, they've just fallen away altogether. They hit the wall. They didn't press through. If you're able to press through the wall, and the, the, the pressing through the wall actually uh, corresponds with stage four, which is that journey inward, where I start to go, what, what's really going on here? Where am I? Uh, how, how do I keep going forward? And here, if you're able to do this, there's a power that you receive through reflection. It's, it's me going inward and saying, Lord, would you search me out? Show me me. Show me myself. Why am I reacting like this? One of the things I'm learning, even as relearning, I think, as I'm going through this course again, is that when I react to, to people or circumstances, it says more about me than the people or the circumstances. And then out of that comes the, the, the journey outward, the, the power by purpose, where I am so aware of the fact that God works even in the midst of difficulty and hardship, and it, it softens my heart. It gives me compassion for people, because when I see people acting all crazy, I'm like, that's me. <laughs> 
That's me. I, I've been there, done that. I've been through that. I understand that what I go through, what, what, what that person is going through, I've been through. We've been through it all. And none of us are immune to the difficulties of life, the walls. And ultimately comes the life of love. And that's power by wisdom. Say that again. Immune. Very good question, Adam. To be immune from something means that it can't happen to me. But, not, but all the troubles and hardships of this world, all of us, that can happen to every one of us. Very good question, Adam. Thank you for asking. That's fine. You're, you're a good man. Because you might be asking a question. Somebody else back there wants to ask the same question, and that's okay. <laughs> so what we're going to talk about today is, is again... That, that moving through the wall. Now, now I'm not going to give you a message today and go, oh, I've got it, so we're done. Let's move on to the next stage. This is a journey. This is why the message is called Journey Through the Wall. So, so that those stages five and six, that journey outward and that transformed by love, you know, some, we are oftentimes in seasons. We don't arrive at the end of the journey in this lifetime. There are seasons, just like, you know, we get up today, it's the fall, it's crisp. It seemed like just not too long ago, it was summertime. Sorry, sorry, Lisa, summer's done. <laughs> but we have seasons. The, 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 the difference here, however, is that the walls don't come on a regular basis. It's not like, okay, I can plan for the wall now. We don't know when it's coming. But those walls are coming. They come in life. The wall, it really and truly strikes us at the core of our being. Who are we? It's revealing to ourselves who we are. And what we're talking about here when we say the wall, we're not just talking about the, the trials and tribulations of life. Oh my goodness, the traffic going down to Atlanta. Oh, I spent an hour and a half just going like this here. Oh, that's not the wall, okay? <laughs> It's a trial. It's a tribulation. I don't like it, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about those significant life events, you know, life-threatening uh, illnesses. You know, we, 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 we're talking about the facing of a divorce. We're talking about a, a child who rebels against us completely and wants nothing to do with us. We're talking about the loss of your career. It's gone these are the types of events that can shake us up. They can shake us up. Pete Skazer in his book talks about receiving the wall as a gift. And that can sound like utter nonsense to us. I mean, I mean seriously, th think about the words of James. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you, you face trials of many kinds. What? That doesn't make sense on the natural level. But any of us who have journeyed through the wall will look back on it and can genuinely say, thank you, Lord, for providing that in my life. I hope it never happens again, God. But thank you because you've used it to shape me. 
Many of you know my story. Uh, I, I think one of the more significant walls in my life was my year of debilitating back problems where I, uh, every morning I'd get up out of bed and I'd have such agony in my body. I'd, I'd whisper to my wife, I'm afraid to get out of bed. And it put me into a deep depression. I was angry all the time. I was dealing with a lot of stresses in my life. I look back on it and I can say, thank you, God. I, I really thank you for that because it, it helped me to see me because I went through this. I don't want to go through it ever again. But when you start get to get a track record and you've been through these walls, you start to understand, you know, God, you took me through before and you'll take me through again. And I don't want to stay at the place where I'm just going to get stuck, where I'm saying, no more, I'm done. I want to push through. I want to journey through. So let's, let's, let's talk about that a little bit. Let's talk about that. So Genesis 22, we see Abraham at the wall. This is a serious wall he's got. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain. I will show you. Now, you might have noticed as I was reading through the passage earlier, every time he refers to Isaac, he refers to him as your son, your only son. Because <laughs> this was the son of the promise. It was through Isaac that he was going to be the father of many. The name, you know, remember his name previously was Abram, which means exalted father. And his name was changed to Abraham, father of many, father of nations. That's who he was going to be. And so this is not his first wall, by the way. You know, Genesis 12, he's leaving all behind. He's dealt with famine. He's dealt with infertility. He's dealt with tension with Lot. His nephew in Genesis 13. There's marital tension with his child born out of wedlock in chapter 18. Sending Ishmael away. And now this. This is his son. His, the son of the promise. I don't know about you, but if I, if, I, if I heard that word, I was going, ah, no, no, that's not you, God. But it says early the next morning, Abram got up, loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. So he's pressing into this wall. Jump down to verse 6. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father? Yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and wood are here, Isaac said. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. You know, we read later in Hebrews 11 that this was Abraham's faith. He was ready to do exactly what God said, but believed by faith that if God needed to raise him from the dead, he would do that. And as we will read through the story, in a sense, he did just that. And the two of them went on together. When they reached a place, God had told him about Abram, built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. He was ready to kill his son. I mean, there are some very difficult passages in the scripture. And this is one of them for me. Again, we have the, the New Testament commentary that helps us to understand 
the faith of Abraham that he was saying, I am submitted to you, God, and I'm going to do what you said to do. And if you need to raise him, you'll raise him. I, I wish I had that kind of faith. I, I do have genuine faith, and so do you. If you've said yes to Jesus, you have genuine faith. But God wants to grow our faith. And it's oftentimes at the wall that we have the opportunity to really grow in our faith. It's one thing for me to say, I believe in Jesus Christ. He died for my sins, was raised from the dead on the third day. Amen, amen, and amen. But how I live my life, and when I'm faced with challenges and tribulations and walls, how will I really respond? You know, we've talked about this so many times in this church, what belief is. This is the theme of the gospel of John, right? These things are written that you might believe and that by believing you might have faith, might have life in his name. There's life that comes through believing. But it's not intellectual assent. It's not just saying it's true. How does James describe that? You believe in one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and they shudder. No, biblical belief is so much more. There is that starting point of saying, I believe that you did this for me, Jesus. I'm trusting you. And I've got, I believe that you've forgiven me of my sins. But then the, the whole process of growing into Jesus, the, the journey to Jesus, which does include the wall, means that you're going to have to say, do I really believe this? And one of the things I have loved about my journey with Jesus it's even at those moments where I'm crying out and said, God, I don't like this. I don't know this. Every time I have chosen to really believe, God has affirmed my faith. You've got real faith, my son. And every time in my weakness, I have not chosen to believe, God has used it to say, this is why you need to depend on me all the more, my son. But it's always out of love from God. If we pass or fail, it's always love from God. Passing says, you didn't think you could do this, my son, but I want you to know, I want you to see that, that you can do this. And then when I have thought, I've got all this tremendous faith. Oh, I've got this, God. He says, no, you've not been depending on me. So here's the opportunity, depend on me more. Abraham, we see he, he builds the altar, he arranges the wood, he ties up Isaac, he lays him on the altar, takes a knife. But this is not his first wall. I would think that if this was the first time he was dealing with this, he wouldn't have been able to, to, to press forward. But he's dealt with walls in the past. He's dealt with walls that have been very significant. And each time he's seen God come through. Sometimes passing, sometimes failing, but each time God coming through. And so this journey through the wall, really, this is it, guys. I trust you, Lord. I trust you. Your will be done. I trust you, God. Your will be done. Many, many years ago, the Lord impressed this upon me. And I said, I, I'm going to be bold to pray this. And I, I'm, I, I know I've said this in this church before, and I, I, I urge you to have the same heart to say, God, do in me whatever you need to do to make me like Jesus. 
I've heard people say when I say we need to pray like that, they get scared. Like, oh, well, suppose God takes away my kids. Suppose God uh, puts me in a wheelchair. Suppose God does it. And it's like, you've got a misunderstanding of who God is. God is a good God. God is a good God. And, and the reality is, life on this side of eternity, we live in a broken and fallen world. And so the stuff of this life that we don't like, those trials, tribulations, and walls, they're just part of living in a fallen world. And every person, whether you know Jesus or not, you're going to face these things. And so the prayer to say, God, do in me whatever you need to do to make me like your son Jesus, means that, he's, that those inevitable times that those things come, rather than, than you go through these walls, these trials, these, di- these difficulties without any redemption, versus saying, God, you're going to use it. You're going to redeem it. You're going to take what the, the enemy wants to use for evil, and you're going to take it and use it for good. We can look at the enemy who wants to mock us, and we can laugh at him. You know, God is a good God. And so this is the prayer. God, I trust you. Your will be done. So let me ask you, my brothers and sisters. You believe God is a good God? Yes. Amen. He's a good God. Do you think his will is better than your will? Well, this, this is the issue of the wall. It's me trying to battle God. I want my will to be done. And for me to say, God, I want the faith to really believe that you're going to take this and you're going to use it for good. That you are a good God. See, the enemy is whispering in your ear. No, he's not good because look what God did to you. And this is what the enemy has done to you. The enemy does wicked and says, look what God did. And God says, no, I'm going to take what the enemy wants to use for evil. I'm going to redeem it. I'm going to use it for good. So, he's asking... That you and I let go of those things that we want to cling to, to say are mine. And I know through experience how scary that can be. To cling is to hold on, to thank you for asking, to cling. We want to hold on, we want to grasp the things that we think are ours. And God says, give it to me. Some of you are familiar with the flying Wellendas, the, the trapeze artists. Anybody? You see, even if you don't know the flying Wellendas, you know about the, what a trapeze artist does. So there's a flyer and there's a catcher. The job of the catcher is to catch. The job of the flyer is to fly. The job of the flyer is not to catch. The job of the flyer is to let go and reach out knowing that he or she is going to be caught. And I just try to imagine what that's like to be flying in the air just saying, and so many times in life we feel like, Lord, I'm falling. Are you going to catch me, God? Will you catch me? And God says, I'm going to do my job. But you can't be flailing. You can't be reaching out like that. God needs you to rest in him. 
I don't know what you're going through right now. You know, I mentioned a number of various walls that we deal with. Again, I can only share, I can share from my life, you know, some of the, the heartache and pain that I've seen uh, my daughter go through, that I've seen my, my, me go through my physical body as I've been reflecting again upon just this year. This has been a very difficult year for me. I, I don't know if I even realized that I'm perhaps even now in the middle of a wall with my mother dying earlier this year. And, and, you know, I've been reflecting just on my life. I felt so out of order. This, this entire year, I don't know if I've got it back yet. I, you know, I, you guys know of me that I, I like to have very disciplined and ordered life. And things are just all out of kilter. I feel like I'm just, God, catch me. Catch me. And I want to trust God to do that. In the middle of the wall, it doesn't feel so good. But to have the faith to know God is going to bring you through. He's going to bring you through. What, what, what is God doing there? I, I, want, I want a quote from Pete Scazzaro, a number of things that he mentioned uh, that come out of St. John of the Cross in his book, Dark Night of the Soul. The, the, the wall that we're talking about is what St. John of the Cross calls the dark night of the soul. And he speaks of seven deadly imperfections of which we need to be purged. And it's the wall that helps us to, to purge these things. It's pride first and foremost. Pride, you know, that, 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 that way we want to condemn others. Uh, we, we want to look for the approval of others. We, we're impatient with other people when they mess up. And, and if we make a little bit of spiritual progress, we go, look at me. <laughs> it's pride. And the wall helps to purge us of that pride. There's greed. We're discontent with the spirituality even that God has given to us. You know, we're always comparing and, and you know, we're listening and listening, but not perfecting the, the, the poverty of the spirit that God wants for us. Where we understand, I don't own anything. Everything I have has come from you, God. The wall purges this imperfection of luxury, the the pleasure even in the spiritual blessings. Don't you just love when you go to like a worship service and the music is great and you're praising God and jumping up and down. And I, I love that feeling. I, I love uh, the, the beauty of God's creation. I love, I, I'm telling you, no, no lie, I love that joy. And that's a good thing for us to enjoy, right? But that's not all of life. Life has difficulties as well and we, we want to run from the difficulties, there's, there's our own wrath, you know, that, oh, I've seen this in me so much, the easily irritated, the, 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 the lack of sweetness, no patience to, to wait on God. We made these grand resolutions, we're going to change, but I don't have the patience for that God. <laughs> there's spiritual gluttony, you know, we, we, we don't want the cross, we just want the spiritual pleasures. It's, it's, it's a sp place we get stuck, of, uh, stuck at in our faith. That it's really spiritual childishness. It's spiritual immaturity. It's, I, I have not become an adult in Christ. Spiritual envy. It's, it's unhappiness when we see others doing well. We see people doing, having great things in their lives. And we go, well, what about me, God? That means that we're consuming more than we need to. We, we, we want more than God has promised us. And then the, the, the other side of that, Adam, thank you for asking that. It, it, it's, it's sloth. 
It's, it's, I, I'm running from the things that are hard. I, I don't want to. I, I, this wall is too big. I, I'm just not going to do it. Spiritual sloth. That's laziness. And God wants to use the walls in our life that we lose our love for this world. And our love is for Him and we're trusting Him that He's so much more than anything this world can provide. No, no, you know, even as I'm preaching this message, I'm telling you, church, I'm preaching to me too. It's not, it's not like I've, I've, I've arrived. I feel like I'm right now without even, before going into this message, you know, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm good. It's like, no, you're dealing with some stuff in your life right now that I'm trusting and believing and knowing, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm just going to trust you. I know you're a good God. I know your will is better than my will. Your will be done. Lord, do in me whatever you need to do to make me like Jesus. That's a good prayer. That's a good prayer. So say, God, 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 grant me awareness. Grant me awareness, God. Help me, help me to be aware of me. Again, this is one of the things I'm learning through this, this fourth go-round of the, doing this course is that you know, when I start to react to people or circumstances, it says a whole lot more about me than people or circumstances. It's what's going on inside of me. Grant me awareness, God. This, this is, the again, the, that profound journey, what we talked about, being willing to go back, to go forward, those kinds of things. That, that helps to, to, to develop our awareness, it's to realize that the things that are going on in my life, that the enemy wants to use for evil, I can go, no, God, I know you want to take it and turn it around and make it a gift for me, and I'm going to receive it as that. That's not easy to do, but it requires an ongoing awareness that the Holy Spirit is moving in each one of us and wants to do good for you. He's a good God. Grant me awareness and Lord, grant me forgiveness to forgive those people who have hurt me, who've done evil and wickedness. You know, this is so basic to the gospel message. You, you know, us coming to Jesus means that we have been forgiven. And, and when we think about the, the gap between me and God, it's so infinite. And God has bridged that gap with the cross and said, you are forgiven. And so for those people who have done evil against me and hurt me and been wicked towards me. It, forgiveness doesn't mean it's okay. It doesn't mean that what they have done is just removed. That, that's between them and God. But I will not hold that against them. Because guess what? If I hold on to unforgiveness, it builds a root of bitterness in my own heart that prevents me from going through that wall. And the wall itself might be that place where I just need to forgive somebody. Give them over to God. Anybody right now at the sound of my voice can think of somebody who you don't want to forgive right now? I bet you there's more than one person. And I want to urge you, ask God for the grace to forgive. I have seen more than once where people are freed up in Christ because they have been able to utter the words, I forgive this person. Amen. Yeah. 
And it doesn't mean, again, that that person's off the hook. What they've done is between them and God. But it just means that I will not hold on to this. How many times do you forgive? Up to seven times? 70 times seven? Okay, I've reached 490. Let's stop now. No, what Jesus is saying when he says not seven times, but 70 times seven, he says infinitely. That, that number seven is a word of perfection. I, I, and I think it's spoken that way because every so often, even as I'm speaking right now, somebody comes to mind. I'm saying, Lord, I, I, I've had a hard time forgiving that person. But you say, no, but I forgive them. And I want to come back to, I, 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 I withhold forgiveness. I go back and say, no, God, I forgive them. So grant me, God, forgiveness. I need awareness of what's happening. I need forgiveness. I'm trusting your will. I believe that you're a good God. And Lord, not only do I need to forgive, I need to say, God, grant me acceptance. Acceptance. That, that place that I embrace God for who he has created me to be. I accept myself for who I am. I recognize that I am limited and I am broken. And God is doing a good work in me. And he's not finished. It's so easy when we go introspective to start to see the things that are really kind of dirty that frightens us to the place where we say, I'm not, I'm not going down that path again. But I'm telling you, I know this through my own life experience. Unless we do that, we don't provide a space that God can heal us. I, I, I know I shared this at the very beginning of this series, but when I first was dealing with that big wall of my physical body, feeling like I'm not going to be able to walk again, and I started to go introspective and started writing things out, I had 34 items written out, of which, many of which I'm very ashamed of. But to be able to say, God, I'm not going to run from this. This is me. This is what I am. This is who I am. And... I know you're not going to leave me there because God loves you just as you are, but he loves you too much to leave you there. But if you're not aware of your stuff, you can't grow. So, so it is a right place to say, God, without judgment of myself, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go introspective. I'm going to look at myself. I, I'm going to be willing to say, grant me awareness, God. God, here are some errors. You need to forgive me. These things that I'm seeing in me, that's where I am right now, but thank you, God, that you're not done. Introspective? Thank you again for asking. It means to look inside. What's going on inside of me? What is going on inside of me? And here's the thing. The result of this work, if we're willing to say, again, the main issue again is, I trust you, Lord. Your will be done. If I can pray that with sincerity, I think it results in a, a, a healthy love of ourselves. You know, there are different ways we can love ourselves sort of narcissistically. Well, I'm just going to do what I want to do. And no, it's a healthy love that God, you say you love me. So I, I, I think it's proper for me to love me too. Not that I am navel-gazing and just staring at myself all the time and thinking that life is all about me. No, but an understanding that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, created in the image of God. And God, you're doing a good work in me. And I'm going to trust you for this work. 
And I think it really does result in us becoming the kind of people who develop true grace and compassion for others. Because when we start to see ourselves and the stuff in us, and I've seen a lot of my stuff, and, and, and church, I, I do love Jesus. I love him with my whole heart. And I want to be everything he wants me to be. And I've, I've loved him from day one, April 24th, 1988. I can tell you I've loved the Lord Jesus and seen so much stuff inside of me. And as someone who loves the Lord and sees this stuff in me, I know it's in you too. It's in all of us. But if we're to continue to become like Jesus, to become, we've got to push through these walls. And not to be afraid to say, I'm just going to stop here. I'm not going to go forward. I'm done. I'm... That's what the enemy wants you to do. The enemy has created these walls. And God says, I have empowered you by my spirit to press through these, to tear down these walls. And it is a journey. So I want to encourage you, my brothers and sisters. If that's where you're at, maybe right now you're at a spiritual wall. Don't give up. Know that God is on your side. Know that you have full empowerment. And I urge you to pray with me. God, I trust you. Your will be done. Your will be done. In a moment, we're going to go to communion. And communion is really about this, isn't it? It's really about saying, I can't do this on my own. Jesus Christ died for sins. He, his body was nailed to a cross. His body was broken. His blood was shed. And because of that, I now can press through these walls. I now have the empowerment of the Spirit to say with faith, I trust you, Lord. Not my will, but yours be done. Father, thank you that you are doing a good work in us. And thank you that you're not finished. Lord, I want to pray for especially any of my brothers and sisters right now who are facing that significant wall. Lord, I pray that you would encourage my brother, my sister. Remind them, Lord, that you are with us and you are for us. That this journey, as difficult as it is, Lord, you will redeem it. You have promised in your word that he who began a good work in us will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Give us grace to be aware. Give us grace to forgive. Give us grace to accept. Pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.